0: Hello, everyone. Happy Monday, and welcome back to Unbillable Boston. This is your host of the show, David Yaz from Morgan Stanley. My co-hosts on this edition of Unbillable Boston are, as usual, Max Perlman from the law firm of Hirsch Roberts, and Sarah Worley from Worley Conflict Resolution. We're going to continue our chat with Governor Michael Dukakis, and uh, it's really cool to hear that the governor still has a a vibrant voice in this uh, town, and in our state and if you don't know what he's up to well you're you're going to find out We visited him at his offices at Northeastern University recently and you're going to hear part two of the interview today uh, part one is equally compelling go back to unbillableboston.com and you'll find that episode and all past episodes of our podcast podcast I can talk podcast hosts need to be able to articulate <clears throat> so without any further throat clearers You get it? Throw clears? Um, Let's get you to the show. We thank you for the support. Check out all of our past episodes. If you forget the URL, go to thebostonpodcast.com. To book guests, email us at unavailableboston at gmail.com. Or shoot me a a text or give me a phone call at 781-820-1027 here is the show happy monday everybody enjoy the week enjoy this show see ya
1: this one's for you boston boston's a different city than it was 20 years ago the hope rises again And the dream lives on. Larry Bird's not walking through that door fence. The world will return to this great American city to run harder than ever and to cheer even louder.
0: This is our f***ing city. So you continue to to teach and travel. You're so busy. Uh, Something occurred to me that with all the the leaders of of state and uh, international leaders and royalty that you've met, Who's around that you, still, that you still haven't met that you might like to meet?
1: Well, these days I'd like to meet the President of China okay. and the President of Russia, because they happen to be interesting people and folks that I would hope we could do a better job of collaborating with. Uh, you know, the Cold War mentality is still with us. Uh, who's our enemy? Enemies are around the corner. Um, we've got a defense budget that I think is ridiculous. We're about to spend $300 billion on a supersonic bomber, nobody, nobody can tell you why. Because I don't think ISIS is worried about supersonic bombers, right. you know, or supercarriers. I mean, they're totally irrelevant to what you do with terrorist organizations. And you have are going out there as if uh, Putin or the guy in China or somebody else is, is about to launch an invasion against us. And I am a great believer, David, in what I call international governance. Mm -hmm. No country can police the world, including the United States. But the United States can exercise a lot of influence in seeking to build a stronger UN, strong regional organizations that can set rules for countries and enforce them. Mm-hmm. and I really believe that. We're closer to being able to do that than we ever have in world history, and I want my country to be a country that does that. Um, instead of you know, trying to shove NATO right up against Russia's borders, why are we doing that? It makes no sense at all to me. Now, look, Putin may not be my ideal candidate for president of Russia, but let me tell you something, he's a hell of a lot better than Joe Stalin. And if you're as old as I am, <laughs> mm-hmm. You could make that comparison with a certain amount of, of knowledge and information. Uh, China, this guy, compared to Mao Zedong, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Which doesn't mean that you know they don't have some aggressive tendencies, mm-hmm. but uh, I really mean it. I mean, we are closer to that point in world history where people are prepared to rule out wars and means for settling issues for the UN countries than at any time any time they have mankind. Mm-hmm. of you mankind. Know, I want the United States to be a force for that instead of running around with our heads cut off. You know, intervening here, intervening there, and in nine times out of 10, our interventions tend to screw things up. So, that's the kind of world I hope we can, uh, and I would like, you know, when you say to me, well, who, who would you like to meet that you, you haven't met? Um, I'd like to meet David Cameron. I'm really interested, intrigued by this guy. He's on our uh, show next week, right? Is he? You gonna put him on? We booked him. F- no. We'd um, like to. Calls himself a conservative. A huge supporter of the National Health Service in England because he had a son with severe developmental disabilities and subsequently died. And he says did an extraordinary job. He's a big infrastructure guy. I mean they're investing billions in high speed rail in the UK, unlike the United States, which isn't investing much of anything in high speed rail. And um is Signing the UK up for this new Asian development bank that the Chinese are sponsoring and why not? I mean what? What is it about us that that tries to stop our allies from joining that kind of institution? I just don't get it. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I think we just we've had a tough time um, Getting ourselves out of this this Cold War warp as I would call it which which and it's understandable in a sense because you know for most of us certainly my generation uh, our whole adult life was defined by this struggle between the United States and the Soviet and, Union, yeah. East and West and all that kind of stuff.
0: Well, us too, and I wonder if it if, if, does it ever end. I mean when we we grew up, um, you know in the Reagan era, you ran for president in the tail end of the Cold War. Right. People were scared. You remember, remember the movies about nuclear war the day after right. and right. and people were scared. Flash forward to today, People are still scared for different yeah, reasons, but, right? but,
1: But a lot of this, I think, is... And I'm, I'm not a guy that, that blames the press for things. I like, I enjoy my relationship with the press. I always did. Uh, two members of my family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my, my older daughter and my oldest grandchild are both professional journalists, and I have a lot of respect for what they're doing. And your son's in PR, right? And my son's in PR, <laughs> right. Um, but... Um, Really, some of this stuff is just is just nuts. I mean, uh, uh, look at this Iran's, Iranian situation. First, one of the reasons we're having problems with Iran is because the United States government overthrew the democratically elected government of Iran in 1953. Had we not done that, Iran would probably be our closest ally in the Middle East, because America is very popular with the Iranian people. Why did we do that? Well, it was stupid. It was done, and we brought the Shah back and put this kid on the throne with his secret police and the rest of this stuff. Um, well, if you're gonna do that stuff, by the way, the following year we overthrew the Democratically elected government of Guatemala. I mean, we're all over the place doing this stuff. We have, I think, some culpability in the death of the Chilean president, because he was kind of a lefty and so on. And we're still screwing around down there. You know, we We just sanctioned 20 Venezuelans. I don't know why we're doing this. In any event, it's illegal under the Charter of the Organization of American States. But, you know, I mean, I think we ought to take a little pleasure in the fact that the Latin America of my youth, which was almost entirely, consisted almost entirely of military dictatorships, all of whom we were supporting, is now remarkably democratic, um, amazingly prosperous, all things considered, and this hemisphere, for the first time in history, is kind of a good place. And thanks to the president, um, this ridiculous Cuban policy of ours, which has done nothing for 50 years, is, I hope, about to be changed. And I think that's going to be a plus. And I look at this and I say, gee, this is, I'm very encouraged by this. And I want to see the United States doing more of that and less of this running around with his head cut off, uh, intervening here, intervening there, and um, generally screwing things up,
0: to truth we know. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I want to make sure I, I ask you before we depart, and that's your dedication to um, people with disabilities and special needs. And Governor, I've had the pleasure of bumping into you several times in the last couple of years because of your support of the New England Center for Children. Um, and then I was pleasantly surprised to see you at that event for uh, VinFen the other night, which is a, a wonderful yeah. company that does wonderful in-home services for a, a lot of families with uh, kids right. who need help. Um, tell us where that comes from, and also uh, tell us about your your trip overseas that was eye-opening when it came to services for people with challenges, right?
1: Well, the most important trip, and you've heard this story, David, you folks have not, was my trip to the Fernald School for the retarded, as we called it, at the invitation of parents who did something at the time very courageous, and that is, invite their legislators on a Saturday to come and tour Fernald. Parents didn't do that in those days. Superintendents ruled the roost. And you've heard this story. It was the most appalling day I've ever spent in liberal understand. Massachusetts, in the middle of the Great Society, <clears throat> to walk into that place. And Kitty, for some reason, couldn't make it. And I brought my mother-in-law with me, who herself had an interesting life, um, but who, interestingly enough, worked as a nurse social worker at Spandau, hmm. which housed the German war criminals, but in the late Weimar Republic, when she was there, was an institution for what we call a retarded. And uh, when we finished up, The day about three o'clock in the afternoon we were walking out she said to me Michael I never saw anything this bad in Weimar Germany in the 1920s I mean it was just appalling and I gotta tell you I mean I didn't know at the time that I was going to be governor but I gotta tell you I made a kind of silent vow to myself that if I was ever in a position to change this I was going to do it and we did it um and these severely retarded kids turned out to be people with Down syndrome and today we have Down syndrome kids that are going to school and learning and speaking and so forth. I don't know that we knew the word autistic at the time, David, but you know, many of these kids, I guess, were autistic sure. and you well, and I know sure. what extraordinary work the New England Center and others are doing mm-hmm. in that situation. Um, it had a profound effect on me. A profound effect on me. I mean, if Now, second thing that happened to me was that my beautiful wife um, for reasons nobody can explain began experiencing recurring cycles of depression beginning when she was about 42 or 43 and um, you know every 8 or 9 months for no reason she'd start going down into these terrible depressions and she had the best care the best treatment, the best therapy nothing worked until finally 17 years after this began a doctor the Mass General named John Matthews God bless him said to us, uh, I think you seriously ought to, uh, ought to, ought to consider uh, electroconvulsive therapy or shock therapy. Well, you know, we've all seen that movie. But modern ECT is, is you know, so different from that, it's painless to say other. ECT saved Kitty's life, mm-hmm. and uh, the first treatment ended the depression like that. Oh, really. Now, she continues to cycle so now she has a treatment about every six weeks totally mm. off medication which never worked for her anyway mm. and you know what Kitty's like these days I mean, sure. maybe a better looking 78 and a half year old woman on this planet but I don't think so no way and you know deeply and actively involved herself in all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. but these personal experiences David, have a profound effect on you I mean don't think politicians are immune from this uh, we now have a mental health parity law which requires health insurance to cover mental illness just as completely as it covers physical illness, if there is that distinction. And this was co-sponsored by Ted Kennedy, no surprise, and Pete Domenici, the conservative Republican senator from New Mexico. Why? Because Domenici has a severely schizophrenic daughter.
0: Hmm.
1: So, you know, in addition to the things you experience from talking with your constituents who come to you with... Problems of their own. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting. That trip to Fernal was the result of a couple with a kid with severe developmental disabilities asking me if I would join other legislators that morning. And it was the Pierces, Harold and Charlotte, who said to me, We'd like you to come. Will you come? And I said, Yeah, I'll come. Mm-hmm. It was just had a profound effect on me, I got to
2: mm-hmm. Max, did you have something you Max. Had? Yeah, there's something I like to ask. how would the world be different if you were elected president in nineteen eighty
1: eight? Well, you know, one president by himself or whatever is not gonna transform the world. I and mean, this is a world that, that you know, continues. Um, and I think when it comes to foreign policy, my foreign policy would have been quite similar to George H. W. Bush's, who, by the way, I thought it was a very good foreign policy president. I mean, he and Gorbachev ended the Cold War, and Jim Baker, his Secretary of State, in many ways was one of the best Secretary of States we've ever had. Um, it was on the domestic front that I thought Bush really failed. Um, I think we would have had comprehensive universal health care if I had been president for four, certainly eight years. We would have certainly invested a hell of a lot in public transportation and high-speed rail and these kinds of things. Would Um, there be high-speed rail connecting New York and L.A.? I'm not sure high-speed rail will ever connect. I mean, high-speed rail at 200 or 300 miles an hour, but east of the Mississippi, I can tell you, we'd have had high-speed rail, and very good higher-speed rail between the Mississippi and the West Coast. And then, of course, West Coast is a natural, and you have a governor now named Jerry Brown who's pushing very hard for high-speed rail and is finally under construction. Um, um, I'm not sure, I'm a a firm believer in, in excellent public education. I don't know that we ought to consider the President of the United States the National Superintendent of Schools. Yeah. I mean, in that sense I'm kind of a, I'm more of a federal guy. We've got 50 governors, we've got 50 state governments. Uh, you know, Ronald Reagan himself used to say, hey look, i got a million things to do around here. The same people who elected me elect local school boards, elect governors, elect state legislatures. Maybe they, <laughs> we ought to look to them to to, to carry the, the heavy burden on, on public education. Um, you know, I've always been a guy that believes strongly in, in environmental protection and so forth. I love the national park system. I mean, I could go on and on. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, we're still arguing about whether or not working Americans, their families, ought to have decent affordable health care. I don't understand this. I think it's a national disgrace.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, I, I just don't understand the folks that don't seem to want to proceed with it and don't want to keep the government out of it. Well, surprise, surprise, 60% of what we spend on health care today comes from government sources. So it's not as if this is some revolutionary development here. Mm -hmm. And I just think, you know, to have working families in America without health insurance, I think, you know, if you're on welfare, you get Medicaid. If you work, at least until the Affordable Care Act, no guarantee. I mean, I just never Mm -hmm. understood it. Mm -hmm.
2: Do do you think that that, uh, you seem like an incredibly happy person Mm uh, you've got a, two wonderful jobs, you've got a wonderful family i got fame, three great wonderful kids, I've got
1: eight and now twelve grandkids uh, thanks to a tragedy of sorts um, and I've got a great wife, I mean I've just yeah. been a lucky guy. Do you think you
2: would be a happier person if you'd been elected president? I know it's hard, it's hard to it's hard to go back but what do you think?
1: Would I be a happier person? Yeah. Well I suppose some of that would depend on, on how <laughs> you what kind to. of a presidency <laughs> I had. Look um, you know people every once in a while they say to me, you know, it must be better now without all that pressure. You know? yeah, and I say to them, look, you don't, right. know, you don't understand us, guys. We love pressure. <laughs> I mean, that's why we get into it. Mm-hmm. We don't want to be sitting on the sidelines while
0: we see things that we think can be better. And, uh, you know, Democratic Party is sort of lukewarm on Hillary, governor. It's not, it's not too late. Well,
2: yeah, not too late. I don't think the Secret yeah, Service would apply us we, in this I office. <laughs> will you make
0: your announcement here I do. Don't, don't has
1: to retain these two folks to represent me in the divorce court. <laughs>
0: yeah, and Christina outside would want a big raise. Yeah, <laughs> um,
1: but I can't think of anything more personally fulfilling and satisfying than being in a position where you can make a difference in the lives of your fellow citizens, and that's what. Being in politics and being reasonably successful in politics, so you get into a position where you can make. That. I mean, where did where the Center for Children come from? I gave them a grant in 1975. Mm-hmm. I didn't know any Strohly. I mean, I, I, you know, I wasn't personally into this, but we gave these guys at the Taunton State Hospital a grant because they had a they had a different idea about what was causing this stuff. And uh, today, it's one of the finest centers for. Mm-hmm autistic kids and kids with with disabilities in the world, and we're doing stuff, as you know, David, not just in the United States, but internationally. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's better than that, you know? And I've never been a guy that wanted great riches. I mean, you know, Kibbe says I'm the cheapest guy in America. I mean, it's a little extreme, but, Mm -hmm. you know, you can't be the son of Greek immigrants and not be frugal. Mm -hmm. Um, But we've had a wonderful life. Um, That continues. Both of us are deeply and actively involved in stuff. And we happen to have three great kids, all of whom are doing important work, and now, you know, a flock of grandkids. One of whom, the oldest, is with ABC News in Washington. Who's that, right? At the age of 26. Who's that? That's Allie, and she went to Bates College, where her great grandmother Grandmother, arrived in 1921. Mm -hmm. So it's been a very rich, we live in a great community. We What's had this it, opportunity to go west in the winter, which right. not only is kind of fun from a climate standpoint, but it's a different part of the world, it's an interesting part of the world. Did you go to w- west to UCLA because you loved LA, or, or there was no, something I about west UCLA? went to UCLA because at the time all three of our kids were in, LA. <laughs> yeah, were makes in the sense. west. Fantastic. Denver, San Francisco, yeah. and Los Angeles. John suddenly came back and is here, but the girls are in Denver. San Francisco, and in any event, Kitty is not a big fan for some reason of New England winners and never has been. I mean, she says no she when she skated on the frozen surface at the Dean Road Playground in Brookline at the age of six or seven, she always hated it. She hated taking off. You know, the fingers were cold. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, and it's, it's it's kind of fun in that sense. But it's also, you know, a change of pace is kind of interesting. It's different. It's it's a different. Part of the world, Sounds but you know we've just we've been very lucky, and um, and life is good, and we'll keep doing this until, as I say, somebody tells us it's time to stop. <laughs> you,
2: you've been really, really modest about the the fact that South Station is being renamed after you, okay. and and you you said the things that I would expect but it's got that's got
1: to make you excited doesn't well, to have
2: your have your legacy
1: on a building of that nature certain. well and for two reasons it isn't I'm not saying that, that I'm not I mean I, originally I was opposed to it you know I'm not know a fan that, yeah. of b- naming stations for that, naming, naming buildings for politicians and I'm I'm wise enough to know that South Station will always be South Station just the way the Boston Garden will always be the Boston Garden no matter how many banks buy it or you know whatever mm-hmm. um but I finally said, well, you know, if it's my station, then maybe we can finally get going on connecting north and south Station by (laughs) rail and eliminating this ridiculous gap of one mile Mm -hmm. in the northeast rail system. Inexplicable. Mm -hmm. Just crazy. And we tried to do it with a big dig. And my plan the Big Dig had a double rail line right down the of And the Reagan administration did everything it could to stop it, and I'm sorry to say they were successful. Um, so it's nice to be recognized, but I'm not going to feel good about this until those two stations are connected. We take 60,000 more cars off the road every day. We start running high-speed trains north to Maine and Montreal. And think about a Montreal-Boston High-Speed Rail connection. Oh, yeah. And we have a little vision about
2: what we're doing right. Now. They, they should name the North, North Station the Kitty Dukakis Station, and then they'd
0: have to connect. <laughs> they would have to come together. I mean, yeah. There you go. I haven't thought about see. that.
1: <laughs> Could and I do by it? the way, not only is South Station congested, for obvious reasons, the trains have to stop, but right. North Station is getting congested. Yes, How yes. do you eliminate the congestion? Not by spending a billion and a half dollars oh. on an expanded South Station, but bec- as soon as you connect the two stations, the congestion... It flows. Okay. ...vanishes. You know? yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So yeah. I hope we can do that. This present, the Moakley Courthouse is is uh, adjacent to the Evelyn Moakley. Is that is that is it? Yeah, the, yeah. The, yeah. The, okay. the bridge. The name. Yeah. The bridge is named. Was that was a, she was a patient of my dad's. Is that right? Yeah. Evelyn. yeah. yeah. All right, we got to wrap this. We're up. We are going to wrap it up. I have one triv- completely <laughs> trivial question for you. Were you uh, insulted at your likeness in the comedy movie The Naked Gun? Do you know about this? You don't remember? <laughs> do you remember? I've I've been in a few movies and an an episode of
1: Cheers do you still get residuals Cheers cheers is yeah of course I get a check of $84 every five years (laughs) Um, well I'm proud of one thing David and that is that uh, without the benefit of this movie tax credit we we got the movie industry back to Boston Boston. sure Mm -hmm. big time right and uh, and I think at one time we had four major national series going simultaneously Uh, and the Cheers bar is still the most popular tourist attraction Mm-hmm. in town, but um, you know, I, I couldn't understand why Boston, and we have some union problems with the teamsters and all this kind of stuff, but um, that's the fun of it too, right? Yeah. you can, And you can even do a scene in St. Elsewhere,
0: right? Oh, yeah. Oh, you were in St. Elsewhere as well? I didn't know that. Yes. Oh, yeah. okay, did you have a line? Yes. You did? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Who was that guy? Gabe, what was his name?
0: Not Howie Mandel. No, Howie. Um, Howie that yeah. was Howie. Yeah. He and, I, he and I had a little two-minute thing. Uh, yeah. uh, Doctor Ficus, fig- yeah, yeah. something he's like that. It. Yeah. No, in the naked gun, I thought they treated you cruelly. There was a, it was a right. depressing bar. A picture of the Hindenburg, and then a, a picture of the, uh, the governor because of his he was just coming off of the uh, defeat. It was supposed to be mm-hmm. depressing.
2: Maybe you should wrap this
0: up, David. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> going to get angry yeah. and go back to get the home. Kitty's going to be very, very good. mad at both. governor. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, yeah, this has been such a pleasure, and um, you're a you're a treasure of this Commonwealth, and so uh, you're too we thank kind. you. You're too kind. Wow, it's it's the first thing. It's you.
1: nothing like the industry.